The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky thing. <laughs> Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, on behalf Team of Detroit, on the check. Hey, we want to present these buffs to our governor, hey. Big Grits. Hey. Throw them buffs on her face, because that's Big Grits. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Grits. Woo. You can find her in the press under Big Grits. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grits. Throw the buffs on her face, because that's Big Grits. We ain't even about to stretch. We got Big Grits. At all. You can find her in the press under Big Grits. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grits. Come on. Big Grits and this bitch playing no roles. At Excuse all. all the cussing. That's just how I get my flow on. For real. If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Grits says stay home. All that protesting was irrelevant. irrelevant. Big Grits ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we going to take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Uh-oh. Big Grits got him shook now. When it's all over, you invited to the cookout. When it's all over, you deserve to get took out. Big Grits with the buffs on on the lookout. Uh, and she doing it for Michigan, so when she hit the stand, everybody should be listening. She on their pair of buffs with the ice in them glistening. On behalf of the whole Detroit mission. Throw them buffs on her face, cause that's Big Grits. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Grits. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Grits. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grits. Throw the buffs on her face. Cause that's Big Grits. We ain't even about to stress. We got Big Grits. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Grits. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Grits. everybody this is the Tom Sumner program and my guest this hour according to a, a press uh, 
release I just saw is a record executive reinventing how music is experienced. And I think this has, it's a little more complicated than bringing vinyl back. Um, He is a a creative entrepreneur, Grammy-winning record producer, and the CEO of an immersive multimedia art park in downtown Los Angeles that many are calling the future of entertainment. It's called Wisdom L.A., from uh, the creative mind of Stephen Powers, who joins me by phone. Hi, Stephen. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. It's my joy to be here. Um, if I may, I'd love to, to just right off the top correct something you just said, because okay. I, I, I don't want to, to claim more uh, responsibility than I deserve. So I'm a, a partner and co-founder at the Wisdom Immersive Art Park. Uh, I'm not the CEO. I am the CEO of Powers Omni Media, which is a company of music production that I have been doing for uh, many decades. But uh, I'm, I'm a partner and co-founder and co-creator, which is a part of what we love to do at Wisdom, is co-create with others. So I want to make sure that everybody understands it's a team, but I, and I'm part of that team. Well, and, and I stand corrected, and I'm glad that you corrected me. Um, and not not to throw your publicist under the bus, but that's exactly how it was written. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I think the confusion is amongst uh, maybe multiple titles that I hold. <laughs> well, but but that but that is true because you um, you've produced albums for Tina Turner, the Beach Boys, and a bunch of other people. How did you? get interested in the presentation of art and performance in in a way that's become this new multimedia park. And, and I want you to try to describe that. I've seen a, a, a visual representation of it, and it's several geodesic domes, uh, five in all, I think. Um, but what exactly is it? Is it a concert venue? Is it a museum? Is it both? It's both. It's, it's a blend of all of that. And it's something new in, in many regards. Uh, so you are correct. It is a geodesic dome, uh, immersive art and music theater. And what that means, for those who have never been or uh, to see a show. First off, let's start with a geodesic dome. I think most people are familiar with the structure which was invented by Buckminster Fuller more than 50 years ago. I, I don't know that he imagined them as immersive theaters. Uh, I think he thought they would be very useful in, in many ways. But what we do is, uh, is, is we project in, a, in an art form that's called projection mapping and a technology that's called stitching uh, where, where you create a 360 image, a 360 degree image, and you project it, we're using multiple projectors, on the interior of the dome, which is a movie screen. So for those who live in Los Angeles, the Cinerama Dome, which curves is an example of that, right? But it is, what it, what it does. Well, for a lot of us, we well, might, we might better relate it to a planetarium experience. It is exactly the, the technology that was, has been used in planetariums for many, many years. And, but in planetariums, they've been primarily using it to show us uh, the stars and, uh, the, you know, the, the, 
you know, the universe, and, in, and rather than using it for movies and for music and for art. Uh, so it's, it's really a development of that same idea, you're correct, of planetariums. So if people can now imagine it, and, and this is what it's doing for you, is when we are, when we are in quote-unquote real life, we look and we see all around us, the sky above, the trees in front, you know, the mountain in the distance. Um, and, and when we are uh, in a geodesic dome theater, we recreate that, but it's an illusion. It's a virtual uh, surroundings. But the brain literally cannot interpret the difference between that illusion that it's looking at, especially now that we can project those kind of images in very high resolution, in 4K. So as high resolution as your big screen television, which, you know, is so amazing, you can almost feel like you put your hand into it. So the brain doesn't know that, that it's not looking at reality. Another comparable for some people might be the Truman Show, if they ever saw the great Jim Carrey movie, right, <laughs> where he was living in a dome. But he didn't know he was in a dome. He didn't know he was in a television show. To him, it was reality. So this is, this is the promise and the interesting uh, part of this technology is that it creates this illusion of reality. So you can now shape and shift what is reality. So we use augmented reality. We use virtual reality. We use what's called expanded reality, XR. We use mixed reality, where you put some things that are real and physical in the foreground of something that is virtual, and now you're mixing that reality. So it provides this wonderful opportunity to create on this canvas of the dome to create any kind of image and, and take you anywhere uh, and bring you anywhere. So an example would be one of the films that we have uh, that we show at, at Wisdom would take you undersea. Now, if you're a great diver or a submariner, you might have gone under the sea, but many of us haven't. So it, it, you could be under the ocean. You could be in outer space. You could be in the jungle, even though you haven't been there. So it's a really powerful medium for uh, allowing people to have experiences that they might not ha otherwise have, but also to create imaginary uh, experiences that you know don't really exist in this physical plane. So that's the technology. Now, the question is, how did someone who was a music producer for most of my life um, get interested in this? Uh, and, and why am I doing it? If you go all the way back to the beginning of my career, it has always been, and I became aware of my mission at the age of 20, which was to use arts and entertainment to uplift the human spirit, to use it for transformation, to use it for good. And so this dome the name of our art park, the root word is wisdom. And we are really trying to impart good values and education and things that uplift the human spirit through art and entertainment. And this happens to be a very powerful medium to do that. So for me, although it is a new technology, it is a continuation of that same mission that I've been engaged in for decades. And how did you go from studying molecular biology to producing records? Well, uh, <laughs> I, 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 and that, most people would say, gee, that's quite a shift, right? Well, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I mean, it does seem like kind of a, a, a departure at least. Exactly. So I... 
it, it's it's a story, frankly, of, of tragedy, uh, but one that that where you take tragedy and you turn it into triumph, right? Which is so many people have had this same sort of story. Take adversity and you say, what can I do to uh, recover from and maybe even find uh, something great in this adversity? In my case, uh, when I was just 18 years of age, my younger sister, who was 15 at the time, was killed by a drunk driver who was going 100 miles an hour on the wrong side of the road. Um, And that moment... And she was a singer and a dancer and a musician and actually starring in the, in the high school play on the night of her passing. Um, and I also loved all of those things. And when she passed, it made me keenly aware at a young age, and usually when you're that young, you don't realize this, that we don't know how long we have to live. Uh, and, and we don't know how long we'll have in this world. So we... I examined my own life, and I said, is this what, what I'm doing, studying molecular biology at MIT, is this who I really am? Is this what I really want? If I really look in my heart, what do I really want to do most? And that examination led me from kind of the path that I was on as a, as, a, as an excellent high school student, uh, an honor student, and so forth, to MIT, uh, it was kind of a natural path, but it wasn't who I was in my deepest heart. And when I came to realize that, which this tragedy helped me to realize, I just shifted completely uh, and said, this is what I want to do. And the other part of that story is that I uh, wanted, uh, it was a healing journey for me. So what I did at age 20 that led but me I, to become I, a record producer. I, I hate, yes, go ahead. I hate to interrupt, Stephen, but I have to ask, how did your parents react when you said, you know that MIT thing, I think I'd rather make rock and roll records? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, with, with, with some uh, appropriate skepticism and, I, and I wondering think. if I had lost my mind. And, and here's why. <laughs> my parents attended MIT, my dad and my mom, and my mother was one of only four women who went to the Institute in 1946 wow. when she did. So, you know, to them, this was something very, uh, uh, very important and very kind of holy that I had. Uh, you know, had the opportunity to do, and yet at the same time, they understood that something very dramatic in our family had happened, and they wanted me to find my way and find, you know, my true north. And uh, so, you know, actually, they were very supportive. Good for um, So, yeah, yeah, I want to give them a lot, a lot of credit for that. So the other piece I was going to say about, about what, how it happened is that um, it was a healing journey for me where this really was how I was able to honor the uh, memory of my sister, was by opening a performing arts center called Charlotte's Web. Uh, in, mm-hmm. It was in Rockford, Illinois, which is my hometown, uh, named after, of course, the great book, uh, but also named after my sister. Her name was Charlotte. And, uh, and so that became a way that I could really honor her memory and kind of work out my, my grief. And I, the, I became a record producer, because I, did, I had this idea to uh, produce a record, uh, to, for, uh, to record a record of the first anniversary of that performing arts center. And so the first album that I produced was called Get Folked. It was mostly folk music that we had there. And, uh, and that was, uh, and I just said, okay, so now I'm a record producer. You know, I'll learn what I need to do, but this is what I'm going to do. And, and off I went. 
more about Wisdom L.A. with uh, Grammy-winning record producer and co-founder Stephen Powers, straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You know, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor 
she calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about Wisdom L.A. with uh, Grammy-winning record producer and co-founder Stephen Powers, straight ahead. How did you get connected with the other founders and producers and and people involved in getting this uh, Wisdom L.A. project going and off the ground? Or on the ground? Excellent. Yeah, great question. So, fast forward you know, several decades, uh, and I'm still working in media and entertainment as a transformational producer. I have just uh, uh, increased the, the medium, the number of mediums that I'm working in. So now I'm not only a record producer, which I did for many decades, but also had produced film, had produced television, had published books, and I became eventually the CEO of an iconic uh, bookstore in Los Angeles called The Bodhi Tree, uh, which was one of the first uh, metaphysical and kind of spiritual bookstores uh, that that opened in L.A. in 1970 uh, and was really a big part of this this now major movement that we know of, of of people interested in spirituality that is not directly connected to a particular religion. Well, and it sounds a a little bit like it may have been a forerunner of cyber cafes, too. Absolutely. Yes, that's correct. Yep. So so the Bodhi Tree was this iconic brand of metaphysical bookstore that, because Amazon had uh, come along, was no longer a very viable business. And I got hired to kind of bring it into the modern age, to bring it online, to create BodhiTree.com, to use the assets, which were many recorded media assets of some of the great speakers and authors of all time who had been recorded at Bodhi Tree over the years. And I was doing that. And the, the founder, uh, the co-founder, one of my co-founders, um, actually, one of them was actually working for me and with me uh, in live events that we were producing at Bodhi Tree. He's a longtime producer of festivals. His name is Sean Ahern. He produced one of the, for many years, one of the first conscious music festivals in, in California uh, called the Harmony Festival. And he was working with a uh, very creative and interesting man who had become... Uh, interested in domes uh, a decade earlier and was designing and building domes and creating these geodesic dome theaters, uh, mostly as pop-up experiences. And they approached me about using one to open uh, a Bodhi tree in a dome. And I was like, that's interesting. And But the, the woman who had hired me as CEO of the Bodhi tree didn't completely agree with the idea, but it stuck in my mind. And I thought, this is really an exciting and interesting opportunity. And so when my contract was up at the Bodhi Tree, I actually did exactly what they were proposing, which was we came together and we opened Wisdom uh, together. So it's interesting how, how a journey, kind of where opportunities come from in one's life. It, it is. And, and I want to ask you a little bit about the logistics of this, because there are five domes. It's being referred to as an immersive multimedia art park. Um, how big are these domes, and are they connected together? Are they different rooms in a complex, or are they separate venues within the park? So first, how big? So um, our, at, at Wisdom, we have five domes, as you said, 
Each is a different size. The largest is 27 meters across, which is about 90 feet in diameter. And so it has an official capacity of around 750 people, although we seat normally no more than about 600 and during the pandemic fewer. So uh, that's one capacity. And then there's a, there's a 21 meter dome, there's a 16 meter dome, there's a 14 meter dome, and there's a 12 meter dome. And Four of them are interconnected uh, so that there are tunnels, passageways from one dome to the next. So the experience of going to them is you begin at the beginning uh, in the first dome in our immersive art exhibition. And right now we're running an exhibition called Mystic Universe, which is a exploration of the great Vedic tradition that brings us yoga, you know, from India from 3,000 years ago, and mindfulness and meditation through the Vedas. And, uh, and it's, a, it's, it's an artful exploration. So think that many people have probably been to Vendo Immersive uh, or to one of the other new immersive art shows. This is similar to that. And in fact, it preceded it. We, we had the first one. When Wisdom opened, we were the first in the world as an immersive art park. And uh, so, but it uses contemporary artists uh, whose artwork is an examination of the Vedic tradition. And so it's an artist named uh, Igor Borevsky from Russia, an artist named Julius Horsius from uh, the Netherlands. And we, use, we have this whole exhibition in the first three domes that you go through where you're seeing an immersive film, you're seeing immersive artwork by these different artists. And in addition to the physical art that people are familiar with, of, uh, like if you go to an art gallery, uh, the art is all... Uh, augmented. So it is, has augmented reality effects where if you uh, scan a barcode and it opens you in an application in Instagram, actually, you're now seeing uh, incredible uh, motion graphics. So the painting literally comes to life and expands into the whole room. And, you know, mystical creatures fly around through the air. All in, all in your imagination and all in your phone. And that's called augmented reality. So it's not just a, a two-dimensional art exhibit. It's a multi-dimensional art exhibit. So as you come in, you go through three domes that are the art exhibit. And in the, in the third dome, you move into a meditation dome, which is, uh, has projections all around you. So above you, below you. And really yourself immersed in it. And, and then you move into the main performance dome. So the four of them are connected. One is independent of them. Uh, and that's kind of how we blend it. But we can do all kinds of different sizes of domes. That's a part of what we do. Well, let's, let's talk about the content. Because I remember when IMAX theaters first came out. And there, mm-hmm. were, and there were very few films for the IMAX theaters that were being built. And all of a sudden, people had to start making IMAX films. Are you having to having to generate content for this, or how is the content generated? Because it seems like a very we are we are doing exactly that. And and your your comparison to IMAX is perfect. I actually use it in uh, pitch meetings and in uh, meetings that I have when I talk to people about it. And I say we're sort of IMAX on steroids, right? We're, we're IMAX completely surrounding you. Another phrase that I use is we're virtual reality without goggles so that you can have a, uh, you can have a social experience 
while in this virtual world. But, but the business model of opening one IMAX theater and nobody is producing IMAX content or IMAX movies is exactly what we're facing. So our company is vertically integrated. We also have a studio, and we've produced about 50 immersive films. Well, so all the films that you're seeing at Wisdom are content that we have produced. What we're seeking to do and what is now happening is to inspire all of Hollywood and all of the world to use this powerful new medium. And I'm looking for the Steven Spielberg immersive film. I want him to get excited about this medium, you know, and the James Cameron immersive film. So uh, we're looking to inspire the studios and the other filmmakers to use this new medium and more and more they are starting to do it. And that is exactly what happened with IMAX. Once there was 100 IMAX theaters, then Hollywood was able to say, hey, we can make money doing an IMAX movie of this. Uh, when we do our regular movie, we'll also make an IMAX version. And that's exactly as a business where we're seeking to go. We want to have 100 wisdom parks all across America so everybody is able to enjoy these immersive films and immersive art exhibitions and immersive music. And then we know that uh, all of the big creative people and, and studios will, will get on board with it as a medium. What is the role of music and sound in the wisdom? Well, George Lucas, who I referred to earlier, with, uh, is, um, no, I didn't, I said James Cameron and Steven Spielberg. But to mention another uh, great movie maker, George Lucas famously said uh, when he introduced THX, which is, as most people know, an immersive surround sound uh, specification and technology, which he did at the time that he put out the Star Wars movies. And he said, music, is, or sound, he actually said, sound is 50% of the movie-going experience. So music, of course, in a film carries the emotion. It, uh, it sets the stage. It lets you know, do I, should I be scared? Should I be happy? You know, it, I've it's had a horror very, very important, I've had horror important film. part of it. I've had horror film um, directors um, tell me that if you are watching something that seems a little too frightening, just turn the sound down. Exactly right. Exactly if you right. take so, the, if you take the violin stabs out of the shower scene in um, Psycho, <laughs> it's not much of a scene. Yeah, for those of you who, who work in Hollywood or been to Universal Studios back a lot and you, you see what a movie is like without the sound, you realize, you know, that this art form of adding the sound, the music and the sound effects, is what a very big part of movie making. So it is the same here in this immersive environment and perhaps even more so. So the other thing that we're able to do in this particular environment is now we have 5.1, which is surround sound, but there's now technologies for what is called immersive sound. Uh, and there's companies that are developing those technologies, including Dolby, which helped develop THX, and L Acoustics and others. And here's the essence of it. So if I'm sitting in a dome theater and I'm watching a dome movie, and in that movie a hummingbird starts, or a uh, you know, canary starts singing over my right shoulder in the movie, the only speaker that you hear that, that bird singing in is over your right shoulder. So it deepens the illusion that this is real, because in real life, when a bird sings off to the right, you know, that's where you hear it. You don't hear it all around you. 
So it, it creates a deeper illusion that this is real in the mind and uh, in your actual experience of it. So it's, it's critical to it. And, and music, of course, is such a great art form. It's my, my favorite art form for uh, touching the heart, touching the human heart, and transforming, as I said, my mission is to transform uh, people and uplift people through through music and entertainment, and it's a very, very powerful medium. Everybody knows, you know, why are you singing and dancing at the wedding? Because the music's playing. You're joyful, right? So, yeah, it has everything to do with our human emotions, and it's a powerful medium for that. And so by putting music in an immersive format and then adding these dome visuals to it, you're creating a wonderful entertainment experience, but you're also creating a way to really touch people at a very deep level. Stephen, you mentioned the the pandemic um, fairly parenthetically a few minutes ago, and I've I've been tracking what some of the country's theaters and and museums are doing in terms of setting up their programming to be streamed or broadcast over Zoom and other platforms. And, and they're becoming a place to produce events as much as have them, with the idea mm-hmm. being that people are associating together a little bit less. Is, is, is that a problem for the immersive experience? How do you actually experience as you go through it? How close are you in contact with other people? And is the timing such that as these venues around the country are looking for different ways to produce events, might they be looking at a complete refit and and go to this new technology? Uh, they might, uh, and definitely there's a lot of uh, speculation, I guess, at this point, but also observation that um, that the pandemic has changed the way that people will absorb information and take in information forever, right? Because we discovered after a while of being uncomfortable with it that we could have a meeting on Zoom, right? Or we discovered that we could visit our grandparents on Zoom. And now that we know how well that technology works and how good it feels, people are like, hey, I'm going to use this all the time. I don't have to drive across town for this meeting. I'll just, you know, Zoom it. And so that, I think, going to not change. I think people are going to continue to use it. In terms of coming out for entertainment, domes in particular have a very high volume of air. So one of the things in the pandemic that you're seeking to avoid is a, is a lot of people breathing a, a small amount of air, right? So they're sharing the air. So we have a very high volume of air with big HVAC machines. So uh, for starters, in our domes, there is less exposure because there's more air moving and a high filtration system going on. So that's kind of an advantage uh, to it. Um, and in, in, ter- in, in terms of physically, right? And then we're also, right now, at Wisdom, we are seating fewer people. So although we have an official capacity of 750, right now we won't do more than two-thirds of that and won't do a show with more than 500 people. So we're adding a little more social distancing into the mix. But now let me speak to what you're talking about, about streaming and broadcasting. So we are doing that from Wisdom, and it is one of the one of the uh, important ways that we can reach more audiences. And 
we're producing from it. You said they're going from, you know, from putting on a show to producing a show. An example of that would be uh, this uh, past summer at Wisdom. We were the studio, effectively, rather than the, the theme park, that hosted YouTube Pride. So this was a huge production featuring Elton John and Demi Lovato and all kinds of other uh, artists over the period of a number of days. Uh, and it was all filmed and streamed from Wisdom. And so uh, there wasn't an audience there, actually, at the time, but there were millions and millions of people around the world participating in the live stream. And when a camera uh, photographs something within a dome, it creates a, again, go back to the visuals that I was talking about, and the illusion of it being a real environment. It looks like this incredible, spectacular environment, given the dome visuals, even though uh, you may change it and reduce it back down to a two-dimensional image. You still look at something, you're looking at something on a live stream that is different than you're used to seeing, right? And it, it, it evokes a different feeling for you. And then also, there is a technology now, and people may not know this, there's YouTube 360. So you can actually log in and use technology to be doing um, stream material in 360, in immersive, uh, using a, a virtual reality headset. Oh, okay. I was wondering how you would um, transfer that experience off-site. Um, but but let me let me ask this, just because it's been rolling around in the back of my head, Stephen. Um, when you're producing content for this, how are you doing? Th- 360 degree photography there are now 360 cameras so there are, there's many of the brands that are making them and that's how google earth is created they drive around with a 360 camera you know so that you can actually go onto google as people know and you're standing there and as if you're standing there in real life and you can turn to your left you can look over your right shoulder you can look behind you you can look up you can look down that's a 360 camera and these cameras are basically have lenses that are taking in the image on all sides. And they're doing essentially what we do in creating these 360 films, which is they're creating imagery that, that completely surrounds you. Uh, so there are three now 360 cameras. And in addition, much of the content that we create is done in, through computer animation, which people are very familiar with, of course, because of Disney and Pixar. And, you know, we're seeing all kinds of amazing things computer animated. So it's a mix of, of live camera work and computer animation that gives you this 360 imagery. When did Wisdom LA open? We opened in December of 2018, and we were open for 16 months or 17 months, and then we had to close for the pandemic, and then we reopened in August of 2021. The Mystic Universe exhibition opened in September, and we're, we're back in, in full swing. So it's been three years, and we just renewed our lease for another five years. So we will be there. We're in the what's called the Arts District, the Historic Arts District of downtown L.A. And there's lots of other very cool things there in the Arts District, uh, including some other immersive attractions like Two-Bit Circus and, and others. Um, so we're, we're even thinking maybe we can start nicknaming it the Immersive Arts District uh, to continue to get this idea of what is immersive art and music out into the public. Well, I'm glad you were able to spend some time and explain it to me. I I lived in uh, Los Angeles very briefly, uh, about 
oh, between 15 and 20 years ago, and it sounds like things have changed a lot since I was there. Perhaps I need to get back out and check some things out, and I'm fascinated by uh, Wisdom LA and, and anxious to see you expand it to other cities around the country. I, I think it's, uh, um, but, but I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big If any pl- of your listeners are in, thank you, uh, Tom, and if any of your listeners uh, are in Austin, Texas, or planning to go to the South by Southwest conference there in March, we're going to be opening Wisdom South by Southwest for the period of the, uh, of the, uh, conference and festival in austin uh from march 11 to 20 and we're kind of replicating the park uh there so you'd have an opportunity to do it there um and we're, we're looking to have dome experiences in other cities so in other cities so keep an eye out well i'm looking i'm looking forward to seeing its expansion and you know like i mentioned earlier i i um I'm I'm a fan of the planetarium experience, and and I've seen a number of pretty good planetarium shows above and beyond just you know going in and seeing the night sky. But yeah. um, Stephen, thanks again. I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Is is there a website you can share? Yes, so Wisdom's website is www.wisdome, W-I-S-D-O-M-E, dot L-A. Uh, so it's wisdom.la. And for me, I, I have a website that I, is, that I am building, but if you're uh, interested, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on social media. My, uh, my Instagram handle is Powers, my last name, P-O-W-E-R-S, the number two, and B, powers to be on Instagram. So just reach out those ways. Stephen, I hear that a lot about websites being under construction. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So that's my personal one because I'm, I'm more interested in the work that I've produced and in my own personal history. But, but I keep being asked about it so often. They're like, where can we learn more about you and your work uh, rather than the project you're working on currently? And so that, that is something that uh, will be coming soon, actually. Well, and Steve, the, the URL for that is, is going to be stephenpowers.us, but that isn't built yet, so don't go there. <laughs> okay. Well, Stephen, thank you so much, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Tom. It's my joy to be here. Take care. Again, that's uh, Stephen Powers. He is um, a Grammy-winning record producer and one of the founders of Wisdom L.A., an immersive multimedia art park in downtown L.A. that many are calling the future of entertainment. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. Welcome change of face from the man. 
Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell, East Village Magazine, Flint Institute of Music, Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg, Flint Community School, MTA Flint, Flint Comics and Entertainment, Hamity Complete Food Center, The Flint River Watershed Coalition, WH Wisecarver, The Genesee County Road Commission, Long Museum Auto Fair, Thomas Appliance, The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, My Community College, it's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Ellen Sherman, Cleveland housewife and mother. Hi, I'm a nuclear physicist and commissioner of consumer affairs. In my spare time, I do needlepoint, read, sculpt, take writing lessons, and brush up on my knowledge of current events. Thursday's my day at the daycare center, and then there's my work with the deaf. But I still have time left over to do all my own baking and practice my backhand, even though I'm on call 24 hours a day as a legal aid. How does Ellen Sherman do it all? She's smart. She takes speed. The tiny blue diet pill you don't have to be overweight to need. And then I collect these paper bags. 
And I have them right here, all folded and everything. In case anyone needs a paper bag, I have Yes, one. Speed. Because I fold them neatly, you know. I don't fold them just any old way. I Why not ask your family doctor for a prescription today? And, and when that runs out, you can ask your neighbor's doctor. And your mother's doctor. And your college roommate's doctor. And your best friend from high school's doctor. And your babysitter's doctor. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All oh, the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I would like to take you to the opera where you are going to hear a Mozart opera, which is nothing but an opera written by Mozart. (laughs) This is an opera in one act, and it begins when the curtain rises. Otherwise, you couldn't see a thing. (laughs) The stage setting is a kind of a forest. There are two large trees, which of course indicates the forest. It's a kind of a small forest, but it's a forest. <laughs> First, the tenor comes in. He is supposed to meet his soprano, as they usually call those ladies. <laughs> but she is a little late this particular season, so he hides himself behind one of the trees in order to surprise her when she comes in a little later, which she does. When she arrived, she can't find him because he is occupied behind one of the trees. Now <laughs> uh, he's with a knife carving her name into the <laughs> scenery. Now she doesn't know that he is there, but, uh, well, as a matter of fact, she must know it because she saw it doing rehearsals. <laughs> Either she pretends that she doesn't know it, or she's just plain stupid. (laughs) Or whatever it is, she gets across the stage somehow and takes place behind the other tree, which, for the occasion, hides her. (laughs) To a certain extent. Now, The chorus comes in, but nobody knows why, except Mozart, and he is dead. (laughs) And that's just too bad. Next, your father comes in, and he is a very old man, primarily because she is a very old soprano. (laughs) And he is very angry because apparently she is not his daughter. Now, this has nothing to do with the opera. I found that out myself. (laughs) And that's what we call research. (laughs) Anyway, he decides that he has had enough of her, so he tells her to die, and that's exactly what she's going to do. And with that, the opera ends, and people can go home. Now I take you to the opera house where you hear the conductor's footsteps when he enters the orchestra pit. Here he comes. Yeah, he walks sideways. <laughs> and this is the overture. <laughs> 
This, ladies and gentlemen, was the first part of the overture. Now you hear the second part, and that's exactly the same. Now this little bloop is an extra bloop we have in case we shoot one shot of bloops. But that has never happened, so we have a lot of bloops left over. Now the curtain rises and the tenor arrives. He's a little tall fellow, he comes in. He comes in from the left in a single file. He goes behind the tree right away. the leading lady arrives she is supposed to fill the part of the soprano now, she not only fills it she overflows it a little bit. she's a big husk a big uh, uh, she's a big soprano that's what she is she's what we call a messy soprano she comes in in a single pile Yours arrives backwards, but nobody notices the difference. <laughs> she goes behind the other tree. She can hardly wait because. Uh, see, she is. She supposedly hasn't, she hasn't met him for a long time, so she is just, she's anxious. Now is the time for the chorus. The light is dimmed, so you can hardly see these people when they arrive, and that's why they're dressed in a kind of cheap underwear. <laughs> because there is no reason to spend a lot of money for costumes when you can't see them. Right? And that's the way the management of this theater feels about it, and that's the way it's gonna be. Here they come. Bread and butter. Now they're all in and they fool around in the dark for a little while. This is a mixed chorus. Bread and butter. Now they're out, they get the money and go home. Next, a baritone comes in and sings, Toreador, Toreador. But he finds out that he's in the wrong opera. Now, the father comes in, the old man, and he is the basso.
almost now told her what he had to say and she understands him quite well so now she prepares herself to die but before she dies she sings an area the so-called die area <laughs> She seems very happy about it. She dies by stabbing herself between the two big trees. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program and uh, I hope you enjoyed the uh, conversations today with uh, well this one this past hour with Stephen Powers from Wisdom LA and uh, in the second hour our uh, tribute to Wood um, in memory of Woodrow Stanley we had uh, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter um, paying tribute to Woodrow Stanley, who passed away this week. And also my guest opening the show up today, Aaron Washington, uh, talking about squats and margaritas. Anyway, it wraps it up for the week. I hope you have uh, a great weekend. I'll see you back here Monday morning for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. In the meantime, good night, everybody. program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.